0: It officially becomes autumn, and it's kind of feeling like it outside. Anyhow, great to have you with us. We've got a big show today. I want to start out with trickle-down authoritarianism and how we really need to stop it. Also, I want to get into the health insurance industry claiming another victim, and blue states showing how listening to science actually works. Ken Burns has uh, suggested that America could be on the cusp of a civil war, or at least that the crisis that we're facing right now is on par with the Civil War, World War II, and the, and the Republican Great Depression. And uh, we'll be discussing that. So we've got a lot that we're gonna be covering today, as well as you know, just other kind of random news. Uh, but I wanna start with trickle-down authoritarianism. This is both making life miserable for us, but it's also killing Americans. It has killed over 600,000 Americans, in fact, and it needs to stop. We've always had this dark undercurrent of authoritarianism. I mean, going back to slave owners, going to war with the North over their right to own and control other human beings, Uh, to Joe McCarthy's demented and phony rants about communists in the State Department, to Nixon's so-called war on drugs. But Donald Trump and his followers have taken it just a huge step further. And the result is over 660,000 dead Americans, most of whom would still be alive today if Trump had just listened to the scientists. And, and now, everyday Americans, from school board members to election volunteers to retail clerks in stores, are quitting their jobs because they're tired of uh, having to deal with these Trump-inspired authoritarian bullies. You know, Trump and his fellow sociopaths in the elected Republican Party class see a clear advantage to themselves in encouraging threats of violence against public officials and volunteers involved in running voting operations. Why? Well, if they can get enough of them, resign and put in their place the new, you know, people who the new voter suppression laws empower to just randomly throw out votes from areas where they, well, I think there's some fraud in this precinct. Well, we'll just we'll just set those votes aside for the moment. Effectively, retroactively creating provisional ballots for entire neighborhoods, like entire black neighborhoods, entire college towns. They figure if they can do this, they can shave off enough points that Republicans can control red states forever. But what does that, how, you know, and I get that, right? I mean, that's partisan politics, and we all understand that. It's terrible, but, you know, we get that. But how does that justify Ron DeSantis down in Florida replacing his Surgeon General with a guy who says that the coronavirus vaccines will kill you. And we should just have everybody in Florida expose themselves to the virus. And after tens of, a few 10, 000, tens of thousands of people die, the whole state will have herd immunity. And by the way, if we have any problems, we can treat, treat them with hydroxychloroquine. Honest to God, that's the guy Ron DeSantis just put in charge as his state's surgeon general. What does this have to do with the Trump devotee anti-maskers? trying to run a Michigan County health director off the road twice at 70 miles an hour and kill him because he supports school kids wearing masks or somebody walking up to him and yelling, hey, Mother Effer, I hope somebody abuses your kids and forces you to watch. I mean, what does that kind of abuse have to do with just stealing elections? This isn't just about how to deal with a pandemic or Trump's failed coup. This is about the transformation of America from a land of civility and democracy into a neo-fascist state. Milton Mayer, you've heard me talk many times about Milton Mayer's book, They Thought They Were Free. He went to Germany right after World War II and hung out with a bunch of, quote, good Germans, people who kept their heads down, just continued to do their jobs all through the 30s and 40s. Uh, The book was called They Thought They Were Free, The Germans, 1933 to 1945. And this one college professor said, You see, one doesn't see exactly how or where to move. Believe me, this is true. Each act, each occasion is worse than the last, but only a little worse. You wait for the next and the next. You wait for the one great shocking occasion, thinking that others, when such a shock comes, will join with you in resisting somehow. You don't want to act or even talk alone. You don't want to go out of your way to make trouble. Why not? Well, you're not in the habit of doing it. And it's not just fear, fear of standing alone that restrains you. It's also genuine uncertainty. And that's what's happening here he watches desantis takes actions that he knows are going to kill thousands of people in florida but he thinks it's going to get him into the white house in 2024 we watch as texas outlaws abortions it, again to promote the political for in defiance of the supreme court or of the previous supreme courts anyway um you know to for the same political reasons for greg abbott to try and get in the white house and maybe to keep uh, dan patrick out of jail the attorney general we watch as Georgia changes their voting laws so that Republican uh, operatives can functionally take over the voting in largely black districts and maintain white rule. We watch as the Republicans are have changed the laws to allow poll watchers, and they're openly recruiting militia groups to come into polling, white militia groups to come into polling places in black neighborhoods and intimidate people. We watch as they try to to criminalize and psychologically destroy trans teens and and youth across the country with their so-called bathroom bills. We watch as these Trump-supporting bullies hold armed intimidation rallies that echo the black shirts and the brown shirts of the 1920s. And one day too late, this German professor told Milton Mayer in 1949, your principles, if you were sensible of them, all rush in upon you the burden of self-deception has grown too heavy. And some minor incident, in my case it was my little boy, hardly more than a baby, saying, Jews, swine, it collapses all at once. And you see that everything, everything has changed and changed completely under your nose. The world you live in, your nation, your people, it's not the world you were in at all. The forms are all there, all untouched, all reassuring, the houses, the shops, the jobs, the mealtimes, the visits, the concerts, the cinema, the holidays. But the spirit, which you never noticed because you made the lifelong mistake of identifying it with the forms, is changed. And now you live in a world of hate and fear, and the people who hate and fear do not even know it themselves. When everyone is transformed, no one is transformed. Now you live in a system which rules without responsibility even to God. And here we are unless we hold them accountable for their damage to america and the constitution and we do so soon and in a way that both they and the world will take seriously and understand this is going to continue and it's going to get worse and if we fail god help us seriously the rant by the way is over at hartmanreport.com. this is the tom hartman program Coming up next, the health insurance business claims another victim, and blue states show how listening to science actually does work. So... Uh, It's just the red state, blue state. It's like at what point do these red state Trump humpers look around and go, geez, people around me are getting sick and they're dying and large, you know, and yeah, it's only one or two percent of them are dying. But, you know, 20, 30 percent of them who are getting sick. Are ending up like really deathly ill or they're having long covid and they're getting dementia they're having strokes they're losing their ability to to walk they're you know it's just terrible terrible things are happening as a consequence of getting this disease maybe i should get vaccinated maybe i shouldn't vote for republicans anymore you think it's happening it's amazing Anyhow, picking up your phone calls, Jerry in San Francisco. Hey, Jerry, thanks for uh, listening to the Tom Hartman app. What's on your mind? Today? Oh,
2: my pleasure. <laughs> um, listen, I, I wanted to add on to your rant in the beginning of a couple of uh, things. You know, there's about five swing states, and if the Republicans get them, they don't need a big turnout in Florida or Texas or anything like that. They they have it, and like you had on uh, TomHartman.com, 188,000 being dropped in Wisconsin. I was reading a right-wing piece of junk, really, but they had a few interesting things in there. One is that the Supreme Court in April of 2021, I think, said that that they better not drop people off willy-nilly off the rolls. So a Republican representative named Janelle Brantgen has said in the article that she was uh, designated to be in charge of not dropping people from the rolls, but deactivating. But nobody knows what deactivating means. The, now hmm. the numbers have gone from 188,000 to 205,000. Whoa. And uh, yeah.
0: Deactivating and so, probably means that those people will get a provisional ballot rather than no ballot at all. And provisional ballots typically are not counted. Or at least right. they're not counted exactly. in the first pass.
2: <laughs> yes, I think that's a very important uh, uh, detail. Distinction, yeah. Also, in Michigan, the uh, Governor Whitmer told the, uh, uh, legisl- the Republican legislature that she is going to veto immediately the voter integrity bill that they're trying to pass in Michigan. So in the last three or four months, the Republican legislature has started uh petition campaign, and it's a weird little law in Michigan where if you get 340,000 voters to sign it, you can then take it up, that petition up in the legislature, and pass it, and it'll be a veto-proof law. So the provisions within this bill are to not only stop the Secretary of State from sending out absentee ballots, but forbids the Secretary of State from posting links on the website to get an absentee ballot uh, mailed ah. to you. Jeez. So there's And there's other things. I don't want to take up your time with that. Thirdly, in Arizona, um, the people who I guess were counting the votes are part of that QAnon, I can't remember the name of it. Remember? Yeah, uh, the
0: Cyber Ninjas?
2: Yeah, the Cyber Ninjas. Why could, Why can't I remember that? Anyway, the people have been reporting in America Copa County that people have been coming to their door and asking them if they really did vote for Joe Biden or was it a mistake? Yeah, and we did have,
0: we like, did this story old. a couple of weeks ago. That's that oh
2: did you? Yeah, okay. That's that's been going
0: on for a while. I don't know if they're still doing it, but that was national news maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago.
2: Yeah, okay. I didn't I was I was on a trip at that point. But okay, so you're you you're on top of that one. So anyway, those are just some of the examples, like you were saying in the in the beginning, that these guys are working 24/7, looking for loopholes, looking for quirky provisions in the in the state you know in the state constitution or whatever they can find. Yeah. And I really hope that uh, we are going to be as diligent to to try to stop these
0: people. Yeah, I hope so too. I, I you know it's it's disheartening when you see republicans like you know trent lott in 2001 when the parliamentarian said oh no you can't put bush's tax cuts uh, the way that you want to do it into this reconciliation bill and so he just fired the you know robert dove the parliamentarian and replaced him with one who said oh yeah it's fine with me but chuck schumer won't do that right it makes me bang my head against the wall but you know hope springs eternal jerry thank you for the call and thanks for adding to the to the (laughs) <laughs> the, the hot steaming pile we've got here. Bart in Benicia, California. Is that how you say it, Bart? Uh, yeah, it's Benicia. It's, uh, Benicia. It's, it's the third state
3: California capital, believe it or not. It's about huh. 35 miles uh, northeast of San Francisco. Very cool. So what's up? Well, I had a question. I love your show, by the way. Thanks for, for doing all, you, all your work. The question I have is about... Getting the message out to conservatives in different states. So there's a lot of echo chambers going on, and I'm not saying this is an echo chamber, but we do have a lot of people that have a lot of similar thoughts on this, this program and other progressive programs. Oh, there's a
0: certain and echo I'm, chamber here. I try to break that up by inviting conservatives yeah, to call yeah. and debate me, but they tend not to do it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I'm thinking, <clears throat> is there a way we can set up, for example, uh, go to you know get radio stations in uh, in different uh, southern states or the states that we need to you know get the message out. Uh, can we put you on Fox News as a commercial, for example, where you have a 30-second to a minute spot where we can basically put out some kind of message Fox would allow, I guess.
0: Anyway, A, we, I, you know, Fox has comments. turned down a lot of those kind of political ads, so I doubt it. And B, I don't have the cash to buy ads on Fox News, and I don't know anybody who's you know enthusiastic about funding me. But I think your, your plan to get on radio stations is a good one. The FCC is allowing low-power FM stations. We've got one here in Portland. It hits most of the city. Yep. And those are starting to pop up around the country. You've got, in some cases, college stations that throw out a hell of a signal. Our station in Seattle, KBCS, is huge, and it's a college mm. station. And they're carrying our nonprofit feed that you're listening to right now. Um, you know, where we don't, w- during the commercial breaks, when our commercial stations are in break, I just keep on talking, or we do a book report. Yeah. Um, so that's available, and that, and that's all available through the uh, Pacifica Audio Port. So any station, you know, if you know a station in the South that might like to pick up this show, or any other good progressive programming, you know, you know, I think our show is the only one, though, that Really goes out of our way to make it available. We charge absolutely nothing. We pick up all the costs, and I even yeah. record uh, fundraisers for our stations whenever they ask me to.
3: Wow. So, in th- so in theory, if we go out and find some of these these low bandwidth or low power stations, we can set up in different parts of the states. We could might be able to do something similar to that to the, what the
0: colleges are doing. We can help because them. I think, yeah, yeah. We just yeah, so we I just need, need them to reach out to us. I, I don't have a exactly. sales team here. <laughs>
3: Well, or we have to get, a, or we have to get a team together that could uh, put together some of these stations to do that, or something, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah that'd be different. very cool. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's my that's my plan is to help uh, help get the message out because I think like you, you mentioned in one of the programs that there's a lot of a lot of time people driving around listening to radio.
0: There are <laughs> in certain real areas. And there's 1,500 right wing stations, and there's about 300 Spanish language right wing stations in the United States, and and that's basically the wall. That is keeping Republicans yeah. in power in the United States, and uh, Democrats still don't realize it. It makes mm. just make me crazy.
3: <clears throat> does make. So let me know how we can put together. Is there a way to to send something into your you know, be able to put together a group or figure out some way to do it? I'd be happy to step in and try to uh, organize something if I can or help out. you know I think step one would together. be to hook
0: up with with somebody who uh, has worked in that world, you know who who has okay. been affiliated with a college station or uh, whatever, uh, you know, public radio, whatever. And, uh, uh, you know, you come up with a list. I mean, I uh, come up with a list of stations and then do a, you know, a mass mailing to them. It would, it would take some work, Bart. Um, but you know, if you're interested in doing it or if hey. you can pull together some people who are interested in doing it, drop me a note, and let me know. Okay.
3: Absolutely. Thanks
0: so much. Thanks a lot, Bart. Great talking with you. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two ends, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. Tom Harbin here with you. A couple other quick stories here I wanted to share with you. Uh, The first one, uh, Brittany Groh Lane gave birth to her daughter Alexandra a few days before Christmas. This was in uh, 2018, two and a half years ago. Uh, Baby had dark eyes, long legs, arrived 13 weeks early, weighed weighed only two pounds, a preemie. And sadly, in the neonatal unit at uh, Mount Sinai West, uh, I believe this is in in California, her the baby got an infection and died that's pretty you know i mean that's in and of itself that's a a disaster this but the baby died at the age of 25 days so that was back in 2018 a couple months ago ms lane gabby's mom who by the way is now in the process of adopting a child but in you know it's kind of a side story started receiving debt collection notices. Uh, these letters were sent by her health plan, Cigna, and said that she owed $257,000 in bills. Because in the middle of her pregnancy, she changed jobs and changed health insurance companies, but she was never without coverage. And so this is basically you know, a spitting war between two insurance companies and a hospital about who's responsible for these bills. And so they kind of all got together and said, well, let's just dump it on mom. Her husband, Clayton Lane, Alexander's father, he said, for them it's just business, but for us it means constantly going through the trauma of reliving our daughter's death as they're, they're in the middle of this fight. And they, they finally, they got the state involved and they got, you know, a bunch of high-profile people involved and, and uh, so now the, the, help, the New York Times actually got involved and called Cigna and Cigna said, well, we regret the letters, we're reviewing it now. But this this is in today's New York Times. The article notes, and this is, the, I think, the, the real big piece of the article that nobody's talking about. 18% of Americans right now, that's like one in five Americans, or maybe one in six at the most, Americans have outstanding bills from either a doctor, a hospital, or some other kind of health, insurance, of health system provider. 18% of Americans have bills that they can't pay one in five of us roughly what kind of screwed up system is that as you know i just wrote a book about this and it's i you know i'm going to continue ranting about this i, I we've got to do something this is nuts meanwhile california officially has the lowest coronavirus case rate now the case rate is how many people per hundred thousand citizens get infected with uh, with covid And that case rate in California is now the lowest in the nation. And California has a bunch of red counties, so they they still have some really serious problems. This is our problem here in Oregon. Oregon overall is in bad shape. Portland, Multnomah County, which is where one third of the pop or one fifth of the population of the entire state lives, is doing just fine, thank you very much. We had eighty-eight cases yesterday. But statewide, we've got a crisis going on, plus Idaho is dumping their patients into Oregon's hospitals. But anyhow, back to California. Their case rate as of Monday of this week, and this is in the Los Angeles Times, by the way, a piece by uh, Ron Gong Ling Ling Il and Luke Money. California, as of uh, Monday, 95.3 people. 95 people with COVID out of every 100,000. That's the case rate. 93. In Texas, it's 385 per 100,000. In Florida, it's 287 per 100,000. In Arizona, it's 250 per 100,000. Here in Oregon, again, because we've got all these red counties that are budding up against Idaho, uh, we're at 234 per 100,000. Again, California's 95. And in Nevada, it's uh, 202 per 100,000. Also, in California, hospitalizations have dropped like a stone. Uh, That daily rate is around 6,000 across the state, and uh, Los Angeles County is doing the very best. Uh, They only have 1,034 coronavirus patients in the hospital, 42% drop from the previous month. But the situation is grim in Red County, California. That would be uh, Calaveras, Fresno, Kern, Kings, Madera, Mariposa, Merced, San Benedito, San Joaquin, Stanislaus, Tulare, and Tulum counties. I'm probably mispronouncing some of them. But uh, less than 10% of their adult ICU beds have been available for the last 19 days in these red counties in California. In fact, some healthcare facilities in the California's red counties are still so overwhelmed with COVID patients, reading from the LA Times here, that some critically ill people are waiting days to be transferred into the ICU from the emergency rooms. 66% of Californians have received one dose of the COVID vaccine. 11 of the states, the blue states, the the blue counties in California that voted for Joe Biden, they see over 70% of their residents have, have received a shot, but uh, 14 other states or other counties in California, 14 of the reddest counties in California, are not even at 50 percent, and that's hurting California's numbers. Even though California is the best in the country, that's hurting California's numbers, and and uh, you know driving up their case rates, driving up their hospitalizations. So here we have basically a tale of two nations we have red states versus blue states where the red states have you know uh, covid case rates in the in the 2 and 300 per 100,000 whereas you know uh, blue state california is 95 per 100,000 and then we've got red counties like here in oregon where we've got huge case rates sorry i don't have the numbers right off the you know right at the tip of my fingers i'm not sure they've even been published on a state by state county by county basis but we do get the county by county breakouts of uh infections every day in email and i can tell you little tiny counties red counties all you know donald trump counties little tiny counties with not a lot of people in them are showing more infections than great big Multnomah county which is the entire city of portland for all practical purposes and and some of its suburbs you know with like you know a million people it's, it's just crazy. It's this tale of two countries. And why is that? Because of right-wing propaganda, Donald Trump down demagoguery, and vaccine uh, lies being spread by right-wing hate radio, right-wing media on the internet, right-wing uh, trolls across social media and Facebook, and Fox so-called news. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Combine that with their authoritarianism, and uh, you've got a mess here that isn't happening in most other countries. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. So Ken Burns recently was on the uh, Smartless podcast. He's the historian and documentary filmmaker, probably most famous for his piece on the Civil War, but he did uh, brilliant work on the Great Depression, on World War II, uh, and a few other topics. And in fact, he, he comes out and he says, there were three great crises before this, the Civil War, the Great Depression, and World War II. And then he says, this current era, this COVID crisis, uh, this Trump crisis, I, I, you know, my these are my phrases, not his. He said, this is equal to it. And then he quotes Abraham Lincoln. This is an 1838 speech that he gave to a group in Springfield, Illinois. And what he was talking about was the growing tension between the oligarchs in the South, who had basically ended, Demo- by 1838, and you you can read this whole this whole history in my book on oligarchy, but But basically where this started was uh, the the cotton gin, Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin in the late 1790s. But he didn't market it, he didn't get it to market until around 1810. And by the end of the 1820s, the large cotton operations in the south, the large plantations in the south that could afford a cotton gin, because one cotton gin could do the work of 50 enslaved people in terms of cleaning cotton, which is the most labor-intensive part second only to picking the cotton, of producing cotton. And so what happened was those plantations that could afford a cotton gin suddenly became massively more productive and thus massively more profitable than the smaller family farms that were growing cotton. And as a result, not only did the price of cotton go down, which wiped out a lot of the small family farms, but all this money allowed these giant plantations to buy up all those small family farms, turn their, turn their uh, the former farmers into sharecroppers, and basically turn the South, it, it was this massive consolidation throughout the 1820s and early 1830s of a new oligarchic class in the South. So that by the time of the Civil War, the South was ruled by about a thousand families. It was a true oligarchy. There was still democracy in the North, but in the South, the elections were run by the oligarchs they would literally throw out ballots that they didn't want they they elected themselves and their friends and neighbors i mean you know it was it was it was no longer a democracy and by 1838 when abraham lincoln gave this speech this tension was becoming between the north and the south between the oligarchs in the south who did not believe in democracy and very much wanted to maintain slavery and the north which was opposed to slavery and was practicing democracy this split was becoming really obvious and so thus Abraham Lincoln gave this speech he said from whence shall we approach the uh, expect the approach of danger shall some transatlantic military giant step the earth and crush us at a blow never all the armies of Europe Asia and Africa could not by force take a drink from the Ohio River or or make a track on the Blue Ridge in the trail of a thousand years no, Abraham Lincoln said, if destruction be our lot, we must as ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we will live forever or die by suicide. And Ken Burns says, America today is looking down the muzzle of that gun. And. That's how bad he says it is. And, and now we discover that there, just like there was in, in, the 18, in 1838 with the rise of the oligarchy and the end of democracy in the American South, we're seeing the same folks or the same kind of mentality funding what's going on. The headline over at, uh, by John Wright, a piece over at Raw Story, revealed Charlottesville neo-Nazi organizers were paid to make hate. A full-time job, and they're telling uh, what what brought this out is that there was a story against one of the uh, so-called unite the unite the right it was this rally with the tiki torches. Jews will not replace us. You will not replace us. Black people will not replace us, and it's where Heather Heyer was murdered by these guys, and a number of other people were injured. And one of their major organizers, Elliot Klein, is being sued. And as part of the lawsuit, they they got discovery, and the discovery included things like. His text messages. And during the rally planning process, Klein texted Now that this is my full time job, I'll be much more available to you. What's the this? Running white supremacy promotion stuff. He was, you know, the the Daily Beast reported Tuesday that a lawsuit filed by the victims of the attack, which left one dead and several injured, shows that at least one key Unite the Right organizer, this guy, Elliot Klein, was about to join the payroll as a full-time employee of one of the groups where he would be making, quote, good money. He describes an upcoming well-paid job with the white supremacist group Identity Europa. He says, I'm about to double down in the movement harder than I already have. It's no secret I'm taking over Identity Europa from Nathan, and I'm going to be paid from private donors some good money. Another guy, uh, he took this over from Nathan D'Amigo, who two weeks uh, weeks after the rally, in another text message, notorious white supremacist Richard Spencer told Klein, uh, also, we're going to pay you so there's apparently big money behind the white supremacist movement in the united states just like there was big money behind the oligarchs in the south and now speaking of big money billionaire eric trump is going to give the keynote speech next month at an anti-vax conference this started out as a uh, true it's called truth about cancer live But it's become basically anti-vaccine and white supremacy and stuff like that. It's marking the latest alliance between the Trump family and the GOP's fringiest elements. It's the brainchild of Ty and Charlene Bollinger, uh, two major promoters of anti-vaccine disinformation. I'm reading from the Daily Beast from this piece by Kelly Weil, who have made tens of millions of dollars, according to Weil, promoting both alternative health cures for cancer and vaccine fears. They sell a $200 video series promoting vaccine fear-mongering on their website. In posts on Telegram, the Bollinger's have called the vaccine, a quote, shot of poison and the COVID kill shot. And uh, so here we've got this, uh, they're pushing 9-11 truth conspiracies, chemtrail conspiracies. And so, and the tickets, by the way, are uh, vary from 197 to $997. They promise the event will reveal the truth about vaccines. And their featured speaker, Eric Trump, Roger Stone's going to give a speech too. So it's like you've got white supremacists, you've got professional uh, agitators, essentially, running the white supremacist agenda. You've got professional vaccine deniers and and natural remedy hustlers who are denying science. And this is just the tip of it. I I guarantee you if you were to ask them about climate science or any of these other sciences, uh, they would probably be in the denial of that. You've got billionaires like Eric Trump showing up and supporting them. And meanwhile, the Supreme Court has just announced... That they're going to take that they're going on De- December first, I think is the date. Yeah, December first, they're going to hear arguments in uh, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, this Mississippi abortion case, that says that. See, right now, pre-viability, before a, an ovum or a zygote or a fetus is viable, before it can survive outside mother, outside the womb it's considered part of her body and it's her decision if she's going to abort it or not. Post viability, once it's viable, once it can survive outside the womb, it's considered a human being and that's heavily, heavily regulated and and frankly, uh, criminalized. Well, this case says that it should be or could be, should be criminal for a woman to abort a fetus or a zygote or an ovum at any stage of pregnancy and there's no exception for rape or incest and this is going before the Supreme Court on December 1st and mean it's, I mean this is this is kind of all one thing in my mind it's like the rise of the so-called religious right who are who are really yeah I mean they're claiming Jesus but they're spitting in his face if you read the Sermon on the Mount and read Matthew 25 I mean that's if you want to understand Christianity just read those two things and these have nothing to do with the words of Jesus And then you've got Ken Paxton who's under FBI investigation and a couple of indictments for various crimes. He's the attorney general of Texas. He's running for reelection. And so he's now suing the Biden administration saying that the uh, Equal Opportunity Commission guidelines, the EEOC guidelines that say that trans people should be able to use the bathroom of their gender choice or their gen, yeah, yeah I think that's the, the proper phrase. The restrooms that correspond to their gender identity. That's the part, forgive me, that's the phrase. Uh, he says, that puts women and children at risk. Oh my God. Have these guys no shame? Have they, is there no limit to what they will do and what they will say? Is Ken Burns right? Is America on a cusp, on the cusp of a civil war? I mean, are these guys, do they have enough power and a large enough microphone, like the oligarchs in the South did in the in 1850s, that they can actually flip America into something that resembles a civil war? Or are they just a crazed fringe group that, you know, frankly, is starting to go down in flames and diminish? This is the Tom Hartman Program. I can build a strong argument for either one. My sense of it is that they are losing power right now, but they've got some big money behind them. So there's, there's one, last, one last piece to this rant, and then I'll, I'll, I'll pick up your phone calls. This is from Fox News from Tucker Carlson. And I quote, the point of mandatory vaccination is to identify the sincere Christians in the ranks. Now think about that for a minute. The free thinkers, the men with high testosterone levels, and anyone else who does not love Joe Biden and make them leave immediately. Leave where? Leave America, leave the stadium, leave the retail store. So, if you're asked to to not work, you know, if if United Airlines, for example, which uh, the CEO uh, day before yesterday, I think it was the in the in the uh, Financial Times, um, he was asked. Uh, how many people do you have who are refusing to take vaccines? Because they have announced you've got to be vaccinated to work for United Airlines. And if you've got a religious exemption, we're going to put you on unpaid leave. And so they said, you know, how many people are taking? And United has like 60,000 employees There's some huge number of employees in the United States and around the world. So they said, how many are refusing to get vaccinated? And he said it's in single digits. In other words, it's fewer than 10. But according to Tucker Carlson, the real plan here is to weed out the Christians, get rid of them, the true Christians, the sincere Christians, he says, to weed out the free thinkers, to get rid of the men with high testosterone levels, what, manly men? Is that what you're talking about, little doughboy Tucker? I got to get rid of the manly men. This is a guy who inherited a fortune from the Swanson frozen food. That's, you know, his mother was the heir to the Swanson frozen food fortune. Never served in the military. And he's like, yeah, men with high testosterone levels are, you know, and anyone else who does not love Joe Biden. This is like the definition of demagoguery. He's actually, specifically what he's talking about is the, uh, the military mandate for the vaccine. Get these, you know, I guess that's the actual context of, of uh, Tucker's comments, is that because the military is mandating the vaccine, he wants these people who have high testosterone levels, who are sincere Christians, and, doesn't, and don't love Joe Biden to immediately leave the military, he th- or he thinks that this is Joe Biden's plan to get rid of them out of the military. This is like paranoia on, <laughs> on steroids, speaking of high testosterone levels. What do you make of this stuff? I mean, this is Fox News, their number one show. Seeing, you know, the number one show, uh, five, the cable television program in primetime, telling America that Joe Biden is trying to weed out of the military. People who don't want to take the vaccine because they have high testosterone levels. Don't want to take the vaccine because they're free thinkers. Don't want to take the vaccine because they're sincere Christians. That Joe Biden's trying to weed them out, really? What am I missing here? This this just doesn't seem to make sense. Except in Fox World. Visit SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery. This
2: is the Tom Hartman Program.
0: Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is Watching Darkness Fall, FDR, His Ambassadors, and the Rise of Adolf Hitler by David McKeon. This is from Chapter 2, titled A Small Obscure Austrian House Painter. While Franklin Roosevelt was sailing off the coast of New England, basking in his party's nomination and largely oblivious to European politics, 43-year-old Adolf Hitler, leader of the German National Socialist Party, innovated German political campaigns by barnstorming Germany in a chartered Junkers passenger plane. He crisscrossed the country using the slogan, Hitler über Deutschland, Hitler over Germany, as he campaigned for a Nazi majority in the Reichstag. A mesmerizing speaker, Hitler attended rallies in as many as four cities a day. He spoke before massive crowds, 50,000 in Potsdam, 60,000 in Brandenburg, more than 100,000 in Berlin on July 27th. His appeal to the nation's stump speech promised honor and freedom, work and bread. Earlier in the year, Hitler had lost his campaign for German president, running against 85-year-old World War I hero Paul von Hindenburg. But he learned a lesson about how to connect with the German people in the process. When President Hindenburg failed to capture a majority in the polls in March, a runoff election was scheduled for April. In the first leg of the campaign, Hitler often spoke about a declining economy and invade against entrenched interests. In the second leg during the runoff election, he spoke more about positive change, vowing that his leadership would bring about a bright future for all Germans. He promised jobs, higher wages, stronger military and a renewed sense of german pride hitler generated great excitement among his supporters but in the end it wasn't enough he received a larger percentage of the vote than in the march election but many fewer germans turned out at the polls hindenburg once again prevailed leading to an ultimately premature headline in the new york times quote hitler dictatorship in reich held unlikely end quote however in the summer of 1932 Hitler was already on the rebound campaigning to build the support they needed in the Reichstag to finally take the reins of power. Hitler also used the rise of communism to whip up support in his homeland. As Joseph Stalin consolidated power in the Soviet Union, the international communist movement was perceived as a growing threat both in Germany and throughout Europe. Hitler's stormtroopers, a small private army of Nazi sympathizers, swarmed the streets of germany's largest cities and fought pitched battles with communists and anyone else who dared to oppose them many germans viewed the nazis as defending their nation against communist infiltration the rise of adolf hitler has been well documented in the american press although few could have predicted the extent of his demented and ruthless thirst for power during the spring of 1932 the atlantic monthly magazine published a comprehensive two-part series of articles that chronicled Hitler's unremarkable youth, as well as the evolution of his political philosophy, which the writer, Nicholas Fairweather, likened to a kind of religion based on pseudoscience and tribal psychology. After studying Hitler's speeches and writings, Fairweather observed that Hitler possessed, quote, a violent hatred of Jews as the racial enemies of all Aryans, end quote. He noted Hitler had contempt for, quote, parliamentary institutions as the organs of democracy. He insisted, quote, Germany must acquire more land in Europe as a vital requirement for national expansion and progress, and he declared France is the arch enemy. Months after the German election, with growing political unrest in the streets, Hitler persuaded President Hindenburg that he could not govern effectively without Nazi support. Hindenburg agreed to form a coalition in the Reichstag with members of the National Socialist Party, which is how on January 30th, 1933, President Roosevelt's birthday, Adolf Hitler became Chancellor of the German Republic. Hitler's move was viewed as a compromise and something of a concession by the New York Times, which declared in a headline, Hitler puts aside aim to be dictator. Of course, Hitler's quest for complete power had only suffered a temporary setback. And among the German populace, attraction to his message was growing organized opposition fractured. As William Shearer, correspondent for CBS in Berlin, later wrote, quote, no class or group or party in Germany could escape its share of responsibility for the abandonment of the Democratic Republic and the advent of Adolf Hitler. The cardinal error of the Germans who opposed Nazism was their failure to unite against it. President-elect Franklin Roosevelt knew he would soon inherit an economy that had likely hit bottom. More than 25% of American workers couldn't find employment. Gross domestic product had shrunk to a third of what it had been only three years earlier. Average income had cratered to turn-of-the-century levels, and the banking system was in crisis. Every day, another bank closed its door. And those depositors who hadn't already withdrawn their money and stuffed that under their mattresses were wiped out. The dire effects of the the economic depression were not limited to the United States. After the stock market crash of 1929, foreign lending was curtailed. Commodity prices plummeted, and the economies of other countries that depended on exporting raw materials, including Germany, spiraled downward. The book, Watching Darkness Fall, FDR, His Ambassadors, and the Rise of Adolf Hitler, the author, David McKean.
2: You're listening to Tom Hartman.
0: And welcome back, Tom Hartman. Here with you, boy. Just looking at the headlines, I, this is just these are the, just the top heads, headlines over at RawStory.com. Uh, the top one: I hope your car explodes. New re, newly revealed text messages show Republican representative threatened and harassed colleague he used to date. That's number one. Number two, Mike Lindell moves Trump's reinstatement to Thanksgiving after claiming cyber symposium was a home run. That's the one where he had planned for 10,000 people and 200 showed up. Number three, an anti-masker tried to run a Michigan health official off the road at 70 miles an hour. It is now dangerous to be an elections official or a public health official and number four trump revelations are an indictment of america's political class they knew and they did nothing knew what they knew obviously was you know that uh, that trump was nuts oh and the latest just kind of fun story jerry bolsonaro the president of uh, brazil who re- came to the u.n meeting biden gave a great speech by the way america's back the stain of trump is being washed away but jerry bolsonaro went to a pizzeria with his uh, security detail and he wanted to go in and sit down and eat, and they asked for his uh, proof of vaccination. And he, of course, is an anti-vaxxer, just like Trump, although Trump actually got vaccinated, but Jer Bolsonaro refuses to get vaccinated. He's had COVID, and so he says, I've got natural immunity, it's enough. And so they kicked him out. They wouldn't let him in the restaurant. The president of Brazil. Anyway, Pam in Chicago. Hey, Pam, what's on your mind?
1: Hi, Tom. Hey, Pam. Uh- just wanted to talk about the young uh, girl that was murdered mm-hmm. and her perpetrator. What I'm going to say, Tom, is that uh, I had a, a relative that was murdered due to a domestic violence situation and uh, it escalated. Of course, you all know how it goes. Verbal abuse, physical and then it escalated uh, and when she was murdered I had three small children at the time oh, my. and uh, Tom, what I know now Is that, you know, parents have to ask themselves, am I raising a potential abuser? And I know that's a difficult question for parents to have to tackle something that, seriously, parents are going to have to ask. And if it is indeed the case, then what are you going to do about it?
0: Right. And if I may, without sounding like the, you know, her dress was too short kind of stuff, I don't want this to even be thought of as in that realm. But I think while parents of boys need to be teaching their boys respect and appropriate behavior toward women, parents of girls need to be educating their daughters about the warning signs of a man who's a control freak and thus ultimately could become violent and even murderous toward them.
1: Absolutely, because you have to see the signs. And one thing I advocate now for particularly young girls, there is no reason that every young girl, your daughters, whatever, shouldn't have some type of self-defense course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying so that they can match a man blow for blow, but just so that you know some techniques that will help you defend yourself so that you can get away. Yeah. But then also it really kind—it does help your awareness. Yeah. And I hope that makes sense because we're going to have to be the defenders of our body.
0: Yeah, I'm with you.
1: So I just wanted to make that comment.
0: Thank you, Pam. Thank you very much. It's always nice to hear from you. And very well said. You know, teach our children, right? (laughs) Teach your children right. In New York City, Elmore, what's up?
3: You know, the history of European colonialism is one of, you know, wanting other people's resources, thinking that you can't do without them and don't care to pay for them. Yep. And, um, do you know the documentary exterminate all the brutes by raul peck i do not it is on hbo it's about this whole subject matter it's a brilliant brilliant documentary on hbo exterminate all the brutes hmm. a four a part series and i would recommend that to your audience
0: okay elmore thank you thank you very much for the thank call you. yeah good talking okay, to you bye. i you do, do appreciate it victor in salem oregon hey victor what's on your mind today
4: uh, you know, I think the Democratic Party needs to run a national ad, something really simple, like uh, re- Republicans have said no to stopping the pandemic. Republicans have said no to climate change. And now Republicans want to stop the economy. There's something short and sweet yep. and to the point. Yep. And, that would, and uh, as far as the market, the market always has a correction this time of the year. So this is a natural, normal market cycle.
0: Yeah, I'm not particularly Uh, freaked out about it. Uh, You know, the Dow's down 700 points, but, you know, that happens.
4: Yeah, and plus uh, the uh, Wall Street people have already said that they were going to make a big correction sometime. Oh,
0: they've been signaling this for a month. Yeah, exactly. So it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Yeah, I'm completely with you. Thank you very much for the call, Victor. Martin in Seattle. Hey, Martin, what's up?
4: Yeah, hi, Tom. I had a question and uh, just one little comment. Um, I know you like to find uh, wonder in nature. There's a gentleman you should look up named Tristan Gooley. One of his books is called How to Read Water. Uh, He does have a website as well, so it'd probably be interesting maybe you should have him on as a guest.
0: How to Read Water?
4: Yeah, uh, just what you can learn just by reading water. And also he does uh, just how to read the land and what that means and these are
0: books about uh, the uh, about burned. the the wonders of nature, essentially. Yep. Cool. Okay. Is that what you call about, Martin?
4: Uh, uh, no, my question was that I mean, climate change is going to cause uh, places to become uninhabitable. Probably first in the south and southwest, where a lot of Republicans live. Uh, I was wondering if uh, we had any, but you knew anyone who could maybe become on as a guest about that and talk about the intersection of these two problems. I mean, people are going to obviously migrate out of the South. They're going to have to. Um,
0: I think it's already happening. I think, you know, it it started out of New Orleans after Katrina and now there are large chunks of Louisiana right now that probably will not be built back up after Hurricane, what was it, Ida, as I recall?
4: Yeah, and probably West Virginia too with all the mining that's going on there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's left a lot of poison, and Joe Manchin took a lot of money out of that one. He made a half million bucks last year off coal.
4: Yeah, it would be interesting to see how that migration is playing out and who's actually migrating.
0: And to where. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you that climate change is, is destroying the South. It's also changing substantially the West. What's happening is that, you know, uh, Central and Northern California is turning into... Kind of desert, like like Southern California. Most people and don't realize Los Angeles is built on a desert. Pardon?
4: Give be one big sandbox.
0: Yeah, and you know, I mean, there are ways to, to build around that, but LA is built on a desert, and without the river water coming to Los Angeles, and there are questions how long that's going to last, uh, LA is going to be in big trouble. And here in Oregon, we're seeing that we're basically becoming like central California. Louise and I were on our walk this morning, there was a tree, a big chunk of this tree just fell off. You know, the tree is wilting. And it's not, you know, the end of the year, the leaves are turning. No, this is this is still heat shock from 116 degrees for three days back in June or July. I think it was in June. Martin, thank you for the call. It's a tough one. We'll be right back. Andy in Minneapolis. Hey, Andy, thanks for listening to SiriusXM. What's up? Hi, hey, Tom. Thanks for taking my call and great show up today. I work in a related field to law enforcement. I'm not in law enforcement.
3: And I got pushed to know an ad from Fox Nation that if you're a first responder, you get one free year of their podcast or whatever. So definitely they're trying to set the seeds and market these people in to sit with their messaging.
0: Huh. So Fox News is offering a free podcast to everybody in law enforcement or peripheral to law enforcement.
3: First responders, yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. We should do the same thing. <laughs> We've got a free podcast, you know. It's just a matter good, of getting, good getting the mailing list. Did that come through uh, an association, you know, firefighters' association, something like that, or did you just get it that blind in email or what?
4: Well, on my Facebook feed, you know, it says sponsored, mm-hmm. you know, in the
3: description. And my only guess is I, I work in a and I work in fraud, so I work in a related field that it might be triggering the algorithms mm-hmm. for me to get that one year you know, offering that one year click here, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, interesting. So they're, they're uh, pushing it to law enforcement. That's fascinating. Thank you very much for the call, Andy. Fascinating yeah, information. Tim in Tucson, hey Tim, we got about 45 seconds. Uh, you got a story about Fox News podcast?
2: Yeah, just a quick one uh, to follow up. I noticed you were kind of surprised about first responders getting a free subscription to their podcast. They've been doing that for about a month or so. And a couple months prior to that, they were doing it for the military.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Via Facebook? Yeah. Advertising it via Facebook or directly to people's email?
2: Well, just, just on their Fox News broadcast. They say, you know, military, they get a free subscription to our Fox News podcast. Interesting. Well, yeah. Interesting. You know,
0: it's, it's just the faux news of what they're doing. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Tim, thanks for the filling in the story there for us. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. Yes, you. Each one of us, we have to participate. That's what democracy is all about in a Republican form of government. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you.
2: You've been listening to Tom Hartman.